Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into 11 Personnel, Nick Roush and Adam Luckett here with you for another week of Kentucky football. Thanks to our good friends at Eckridge, the best meats in America are at Eckridge, and they're proud to present the $1 million challenge for teachers this 2022 season. Eckridge is partnering with Extra Yard for Teachers and Kroger to invite a local teacher and true hero on the field at the South Carolina game October 8th. Randomly selected from a list of nominations, they're going to have a chance to throw a football through a target to win up to a million bucks. Lucky, I think our wives would be right up for this challenge. Mine's probably going to have a newborn, so she's out. But you need to go to Eckridge.com, find the link under the football tab, and you need to nominate your wife. Yes, I certainly need to do that. Um, I mean, maybe, she, maybe some listeners out there could do it for me. I think her school could use a, a million bucks in upgrades. Um, your teacher certainly could too. So go to Eckridge.com, find the link on the football tab, and nominate your teacher by September 28th. That's one week from today. So get it done and go to the South Carolina game. Win a million bucks. Thanks to our good friends at Eckridge. Look it. 
we're burning and turning along. I feel like I keep seeing you on this YouTube all the time because things just keep happening. Uh, we had a 2023 football schedule release uh, last night. If you haven't done so yet, go check that out on Kentucky Sports Radio on YouTube. Um, I've got enough schedule talk, though. Uh, I'm, I'm schedule talked out. Uh, I've, I've got nothing left in me. So uh, Let's worry about 2023 when 2023 gets here. Right now, right. we're in the 2022 season. Happy week four. A month into the season, Nick. Uh, it's moving fast here. Um, and we got a lot of big games coming up for Kentucky. Uh, one more bye game this weekend. Uh, but about to enter the teeth of the schedule. So this is when this is when it starts getting good right now. Well, and this is a, a big week, too, to see how Kentucky responds to the kind of self-imposed adversity, right? Like some of it, there's a lot of injuries on the offensive line. We're at week four. And we've seen three different starting lineups out there. So there's been a lot of shuffling around. There hasn't been consistency up front, which has not been a problem really at all for Kentucky going back all the way to 2015. Um, So we're in a whole new territory. And lucky we saw the team respond to the rat poison in week two. But how, how, how do we think they're going to respond to the coaches really putting them uh, in the meat grinder, the Eckridge meat grinder this week? I don't really know because, like, Northern Illinois, the strength of their defense is kind of in the front. Um, they've got size and length. It's going to be another challenge, I think, for Kentucky's offensive line. But one thing I've just been thinking about this week, like, the offensive line did not play good against Iowa. And that was a really good defensive front. And Chris Rodriguez still found a way to rush for 115 yards, a touchdown, pass it, receiving touchdown, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. The, the last touchdown, he had to break a tackle behind the line of scrimmage and scored. Like, that that comes back next week. Like, that's what they're getting uh, next week. So, like, he's going to solve some problems for the group when they get him. I think overall, it's just it's there, there's a lot of growing pains this group's going through. Uh, it seems like maybe confidence is a little bit of an issue. Um, so they're trying to keep that confidence with this group. And I, I have no idea how they're going to play on Saturday, Nick. I really – I don't. They could run for 200 yards. I could see that. Could, maybe they could pop a big 50-yarder or something. Or I could see them coming out and, you know, barely average four yards per carry uh, when you take out sacks like they have the last two games. Uh, so I, I could see – I could see anything. I just – you how do you have that much – based on what we've seen, how do you have much confidence – um, and what they have, we've seen, you know, Lavelle Wright and Cavassier Smoke just aren't going to break a lot of, like, they're not creating a lot of stuff if stuff's not there yeah. um, in between the tackles. So if you're not able to get movement, uh, I don't, I'm don't. i not really sure what we'll see. And if the receivers aren't going to block either, um, that, that that's an issue in and of itself, too, that they're, they're stressing uh, this week. Um, and there's a lot of talk, like last night at practice, it was like, that was not to our standard, played our standard. So I think you're going to see a motivated group, but I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it'll look like on Saturday. We don't know if Tayshawn Manning's playing. Um, it's just there's a lot of there's just a lot going on with that offense, and I think getting 24 back will help a lot of issues. But one more week without him, uh, I don't know. I do think you're getting a best case scenario though, if you're the Kentucky coaches from that Youngstown State game. You win 31 to nothing. You get you got almost, coaching points, right? Yeah, you get almost 500 yards of offense, like. There was a lot to like about it, but 
you're getting enough ammunition to where this team, I think, is going to be pretty pissed off Saturday night. And I really, I think I'm going to learn a lot about him on that first drive because um, it, it'd be easy for him to uh, come out a little lackadaisical after sitting around in the hotel all day, night kick. I'm sure it'll be a fine crowd, but it's not going to be raucous um, by any means. Uh, so I, I, I think you'll learn a lot early on. Rich Kangarell has schemed up some good stuff, but the execution has not always been there where you just have like rogue plays just completely blow up drives, right? right. So um, I, I still ultimately don't think Kentucky is going to have a ton of trouble with this Northern Illinois team who we, it's, we don't know as of yet if Rocky Lombardi is going to be playing on Saturday. We got It was a great coach speak line from Thomas Hammock, right? It was a um, – you know, we got better news than expected, but uh, there's no telling. We'll, yeah. we'll see you later in the week. It was a it was a master class and a fourth year head coach, but because this team, look at, I mean, they won the MAC last year and beat a Power Five team. Now, granted, it was a bad Georgia Tech Power Five team, but they did all that because they had Lombardi. Like he he's the reason why they're picked to, to win their division. The well. Week. More importantly, they ran the ball really, really well last year, and they're having some similar issues to Kentucky where they just haven't been able to run the football as efficiently as last year, and that's really hurting their offense. I think you've seen Kentucky's gain some respect here um, in the desert over the last few games. Uh, Miami-Ohio, it's pretty much the same team as Northern Illinois, like the same tier. What was that spread, 19, mm-hmm. 18 points? And not only the, uh, the, the odds maker, I think the betters too are starting to realize – um, Kentucky's been a little bit of a cover machine here. 5-0-1 in their last six, dating back to last season. Um, the under is 3-0 this season, Nick. Uh, under 53.5 for Kentucky. Now the over is 3-0 for Northern Illinois games. So kind of forking the road moment here. I've, I've been a big under better this year. It's it, The Big Ten West isn't right in my brain. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just stuck on Big well, Ten West under. As a fan of the good under sweat, I – I feel you on that. It's a it's a fun ride that not many people realize how fun it is until you actually dive in and do it a few times. But I just think Kentucky's gaining a little bit of respect here um, in the betting community, both odds makers and um, betters. That's why I think you've seen this line as twenty five and a half. I think people are assuming Rocky Lombardi's not going to play. Twenty five and a half is going to be rich if he's out there. I think for Kentucky to cover that spread. But if he's not, but if he's not right, I think it's good. <laughs> you know, um, Ethan Hampton, who was their backup, not very good last week. Nick, nineteen throws, took one sack, only explosive completion came on a sh- shallow cross that a, a, a receiver took seventy yards to the house. AKA, he's just he game manager to the fullest, not throwing the ball down. Well, field, first time is, he ever, first time he's ever played. Really, this will be his first start. If he goes, he's a redshirt freshman. He didn't really push the ball down the field against Vanderbilt. He struggled, and then you add that with their run, their an inefficient run game they've had. They, we have to see at the end of the day, you got to see what the run game looks like when Rodriguez gets back. But moving forward, I just how do you know what to even expect? I mean, we kind of have to expect what we've seen through twelve quarters, which is. Um, some struggles. Mm-hmm. Try to avoid negative plays. If you can avoid negative plays, they, they should be okay. Um, but they are due to pop like a big run, so maybe that happens on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Could certainly use it. Um, but otherwise, it, it's not unrealistic to imagine that this is a world where the strength of the team is in Will Levis in the passing game. No doubt. Yeah, Just look I mean, at the numbers. The numbers will tell you. I, the the thing that I, I really got to dive into this week was the, how PFF – 
uh, breaks down the quarterback throws. I'd seen previous grades for like line play and stuff like that. Had never seen the quarterback throw like that <laughs> feature they have where Levis was between 10 and 19 yards. He was seven of 10 for uh, like, I don't know, mm-hmm. 180 yards or something. Two of those incompletions were interceptions where he's trying to force the initiative there. But like, yeah. I mean, the fact that he is the, the depth of route and just what, I mean, this offense is, Completely different than what we're used to. And so we're, we're having to, you know, it's kind of Retrain like. Retrain your brains, right. Yeah. Stoops was joking, like, y'all were giving me hell for not throwing it enough, and now I'm not running the ball enough, you know? So, like, I think there is a, an adjustment period for us as fans that, I mean, you've got a first-round pick at quarterback. You've got some future pros at wide receiver. Just use them. Just keep on using them. And I, if, if I was to make one other point, too, it's that. Levis was under pressure a lot less than you thought on Saturday. We just, we just really, you notice it a lot more. But I think he had 42 dropbacks or 46 dropbacks and only 38 of them. He was even under pressure. Like it was, it was a much smaller number than you think. It's just that when you mean one six, of those, or he wasn't under pressure 38 times. You mean he was under pressure six? Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry. Excuse me. Um, Clean pockets but, and 38. Right. Yeah. But like when, when he is under pressure, though, and when those negative plays happen, it just it just wrecks drives much more than a one yard tackle for loss. I just want it's. I've been saying this almost all off season. Like the season is Levis is going to take you whatever whatever Kentucky does this year. It's going to be because of where seven takes them. Um, and you heard this coaches talk this week. Like we need to be better around him. So to me, like through twelve quarters, he has been about as good as you could expect right. hope for to me um, with the, all they like we got to think how young they are at receiver too yeah and like all these new pieces and new offense and he's come out and like he hasn't been perfect um, but if you t- talk to Rich Gangarello on Tuesday um, the first interception he threw the ball where it was supposed to go um, Barry I think it was Barry and Brown cut his route yeah. short or cut it off yeah um, and the DB just made a great play um, second interception, the, there was another bad route, according to Scangarello, but he had bad footwork, and it led to you know, a bad throw. He says most of the times he can get away with that because if it's an arm, that time he didn't, so it's a footwork thing. God, now, so I will good. say about Youngstown State, <laughs> defensive coordinator Jamal Brown, he was doing some really like NFL stuff, like mug front, double A-gap blitzes. That's not something you really see in college football, um, and I think it did catch Kentucky by – Surprise for time or two. I thought he did some good things to challenge them. And even when he challenged Levis, throwing fadeaways, fades to Brendan Bates 30 yards down the field. That was a, a one-arm rocket there to move the chains on third down on the uh, on the edge of the red zone. Like, he's doing some really good things. Kentucky currently ranks in the top 25 in passing success rate, and that's even with all those sacks and pressures in there, without a running game. So they're not even able to take advantage of play true play action, um, really yet. Uh, yeah. Other than other than early in the Florida game when they were just um, loading the box. Um, so as that as that comes, and when Rodriguez gets in here, that's going to be even more, stuff's going to be even more open. The younger receivers are going to keep growing. Like there, well, Levis is averaging just under ten yards per attempt. Nick, like there's a lot to believe in with him right now. It's very <laughs> I get very excited even talking about it because I think like. You know, the, the joke offseason was he's never thrown for 300 yards, yada, yada, yada. Well, he's done it twice. In the other game, he averaged over eight yards per attempt and won Kentucky the game um, with with his throws early in the ball game. I just want to share some of the other offenses that he's ranked higher than in yards per attempt. 
Oklahoma and Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. Drake May in North Carolina. Like Spencer Sanders in Oklahoma State. These are like Big 12 offenses that are known for throwing for 500 yards a game and whatnot. And the, the I, I know you, you can't tell everything about that, but yours for Tim does a good job of telling you just how efficient a quarterback can be because they're able to yeah. vertically extend the field with their arm. And he's doing that right now. Like the, some of the only ones that are beating him out, shout out to Max Duggan at TCU. That guy's still in college football. Like that's impressive. Um, good for him. Good for him. Duke has a quarterback that's averaging 11 yards per attempt. Riley Leonard. Only five touchdowns though. Oh, yeah. dude. He's just, uh, you know, you can, you can get lost in the numbers early because it's only 12 quarters. Some teams right, play bad right. competition. Um, but he just, he looks the part. And he's making all kinds of throws, and I just think they're only going to grow and get better. Um, the passing game is going to be really good if they get that running game going. The offense is going to take off. Um, so I still, but this is a big test. I think this game is going to tell us a lot. This is the worst defense they played, Nick, in my opinion. Um, Northern Illinois, and specifically against the pass, you pull up some of their numbers. Now Northern Illinois has played some decent quarterbacks. Um, Davis Brin, who we'll get into later, because Tulsa plays Ole Miss, and I want to talk about that game later in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been having a good year. A.J. Swan at Vanderbilt's done some good things um, in the six quarters he's played. But overall, Northern Illinois is 128th in pass defense success rate. There's only like 131 teams. They're 121st in yards per attempt allowed, 115th overall their defenses, points per drive. Like, this is a bad defense. Uh, the projected final score has Kentucky getting 39 points. Um, and Kentucky's, just, Kentucky's been – not terrible on offense, but that, that that could be a lot of points. Like, Kentucky should produce a lot of big plays in the throw game, and Levis could. Th- I think he could throw for 400-plus yards this week if he wanted to. Uh, judging by Mark Stoops' tenor this week, that's not what really what they're going for. Um, sounds like they want to come out and run the football better than they have. Uh, but it's a big game for Kentucky's offense. You're coming off a bad performance. You should be in a motivated spot. I'm very interested to see how they play. If they come out and really – put some crooked numbers up on the scoreboard and some big numbers in the, mm-hmm. the stats. I think it's a lot to feel positive about. If they don't, uh, I'm, I would be a little worried moving forward. So I think it's a, the biggest impact of this game, I think, is how Kentucky's offense performs. They really need to come out and play well. Now, what we, we've touched – we spent most of this podcast talking about offense. I want to get to uh, some other action around college football. Uh, but let's, let's switch it over to the defense because, um, boy, it – it's pretty damn good. I mean, and, and and I think the my biggest it's crazy what happens when this defense just has good cornerback play, right? Like I I I know that it was a big talking point a year ago, but to see, I mean, I, I don't think Keaton Smith gave up a reception at all on Saturday. Um, I mean, it's not like young. Could have had a pick. That was juggernaut. A, yeah, I mean, in, in obvious that, interception. I thought. If they if they call that a pick on the field too, the play on the the call on the field stands right. Uh, Carrington yeah. Valentine has seven PBUs through three games. Like that's a lot. Um, he got his first career interception. He did in the end zone, and and, the, and two of those plays were just in the end zone. So like, um, I mean, having improved cornerback play has made such a significant difference, especially mm-hmm. when your front seven is so stout. Right. Yeah, right. That's where it I starts mean, to me. Right. I mean they. Teams just aren't able to run the football against Kentucky, and that's going to be a huge talking point once we get to that Ole Miss matchup next week. Yeah, they've given up three red zone possessions in how many games? And then one one of those came against Florida on a short field. 
crazy. Like they're just not they're not giving up yards. They're per CFB graphs here. They are ninth in EPA allowed. They are eighth in defensive success rate. They are six against the rush. Like a lot of talk around Florida was like they ran the ball against Kentucky. They ran the ball. They really didn't. They popped two runs. Other than that, Kentucky was getting them behind the chains all night long. I mean, that's why Anthony Richardson was throwing it yeah. so horribly on third yeah. down. They are, let's see here, 17th in points per drive, 1.12. Like all, they're just a top 25 defense in every metric. And when you, when you add all of that up, that equals a top 10 defense as of right now, where we stand. Um, heading into the season. And then you look at some of the preseason projections. If you dig into SP Plus, like I thought SP Plus was a little high on Kentucky coming the year. They had them as like a borderline top 10 defense, mainly because of all that returning production um, and some of the recent results Kentucky's had in the past. But now it's looking like it could potentially be. Like it's up there with 2018 through three games. Now we'll see how it goes through the rest of the year. And see next, how they function without J.J. Weaver. Yeah. Like I really do want to see – I wish Rocky – like from an – I would like to see Rocky Lombardi play because he is the best quarterback, especially passing. That or I, 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 he's more. It's really close to Gabbert. I would say he's a little bit more efficient um, than Gabbert. I would. What I've seen from him this year makes me think he might be a little better than Gabbert, but he might not play, and he might be pretty hobbled if he is um, with that with that left knee injury he had on an awkward slide. Like that's how he hurt his knee. He was sliding. His foot got caught in the turf. Yeah. Um. So it was kind of an awkward injury. So I would like to see them against a better passer. Um. But there's yeah. just a lot. There's just a lot to like with this defense, and they are just uh, smothering teams. But I think it all starts with the front, Nick. They are just they're deep. They can rotate bodies. Um. They've got run stuffers. And then when you have that, and you've got a secondary that's giving you ball production, it's just a really, really good place to start. And I, I hate that Weaver's going to have to miss at least this week. Yeah, because you really want to see him and Wright together, just what they can produce on the field. We saw it in the Florida game, but overall, there's just a lot to like about Brad White's group, and he's doing an excellent job um, through three weeks of the season. Yeah, and at least this week, you you do get to have Keaton Wade some more action along with Alex Safari. Mm-hmm. You'll get the snap count. Um, yeah, and they only played 46 snaps last week, which a lot of times in these FCS games we get worried about, like, they're just playing too many snaps and it, it wears them down. You look at Jacquez Jones and DeAndre Square. 17 and Square played 23 or something. Yeah, like, that's where you – like, you wanted them. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't have to – you didn't have to wear and tear them too much. Yeah. I think that's that's big moving forward. And you look at the defensive line snap counts, they're keeping them – all those guys Even around more. 25 or less. Yeah. Right, right, right around that. And so long-term – that's going to be great. And they just got Darren Henry Young back, and I thought he looked good yeah. um, in a limited playing time. So that's another body they can use. So there's just a lot to get excited about with this defense. Yeah, and with Weaver out, it feels like it's we're primarily going to go nickel, but we're also going to rotate Keaton Wade in. Mm-hmm. I think it was like 27 for Afari, 16 for Wade. So it was yeah. a, a, ni- a nice little balance. Uh, and you, Wade will get some more run. Uh, in, in some action this Saturday. He got his first half sack with Khalil Saunders, who that guy has shocked me. Yeah, he's good. Um, I thought he was like a three-tech, like big – no, he's playing defensive end. He does really well. The, and his most impressive play, I don't even think he got the tackle on, but he forced the pitch on the option where he just – I mean, he played it exactly how you have to play it. And uh, it, it was a great play. That just – it, it goes to show you the depth, too, in the young talent. I mean, he's a redshirt freshman that you don't even think about because he wasn't the highest recruited guy. But there's one of those John Summerall guys uh, that, that that 
came out and is uh, really produced early on in his career, exceeded early expectations. So this Kentucky defense, they're rocking, they're rolling. I don't think they're going to slow down anytime soon. I will say if I was uh, the Northern Illinois head coach, I wouldn't play Lombardi, and that's not me just being uh, Joe. Yeah. Like, I'm not afraid of him, but why would you? You aren't winning the MAC by beating by keeping it close against Kentucky, right? Like, yeah, you got to also watch. You know, it's still he's still got to be a competitor, and you don't want the fetus mentality. If he can play at all, he needs to play. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Right, right. Like it's not a conference game or anything like that. But um, yeah, it's all going down 7 p.m. Saturday night, Kroger Field. Uh, the Brockett ship is in the house. Like we got Brock Osweiler on the call. I, know. I had I, no idea he was in commentating, in broadcasting. I heard his name get mentioned, but I thought they were talking about like a like he went to school at whatever game I was watching. No idea that Brock Osweiler is in there. But I'm I'm excited to size myself up against him, see if I'm if I can stand up tall next to a John Elway quarterback. Right? He likes him tall. He likes a big. He likes the big arms. So I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be sizing him up in the press box. There is a lot of other exciting action, so I know that you'll be you'll be watching more than just that Kentucky Northern Illinois game on TV at the wedding on your phone. You'll you'll have some other ones pulled up, and you can get in on all the action by playing with my bookie. That's mybookie.ag. Uh, put in the promo code personnel. And you'll claim a double your deposit bonus. That's right. You can throw up like 250 bucks. You'll get 500 back. It's a great way to get some extra action in on all the games this fall, whether you're betting Big Ten unders, like I'll be tempted to when Rutgers plays Iowa, or you're, you're hammering the over in the day. The best time of the year. It's winning season. Get in on the winning season now at mybookie.ag. Promo code personnel. They will double your first they will double your first deposit. They get to five hundred dollars. So enjoy it with my bookie. Look it. We gotta put our uh I'm looking forward to this Tennessee Florida game because I can't figure out Tennessee. I can't I can't really judge them against Pitt when they had their backup quarterback the whole time. So I'm curious I just I have no idea what this Tennessee defense is is going to do against Florida's offense. Florida's offense isn't yeah. a juggernaut. But I just I just don't know if they like what, what what's that going to be. I, I I'm fascinated by this football game. The anxiety is big in Tennessee this week. They've lost 16 of 17 to Florida. They have their checker boarding the stadium, uh, which they always lose. Game day's coming to town, so everybody is, like, walking on eggshells on Rocky Top right now. You look at their schedule, Nick, they have an early season bye. Like, their bye is next week, Tennessee. So they're going to have to play eight straight to end the year. Seven are conference games. And you look at the schedule, it's at LSU, Bama at home, coming off the bye. Like, that's going to be tough. But mm. They could easily – have a three-game losing streak after this game. and All that off-season hype and everything oh, is out the window. So there's just a lot of – there's a lot of pressure here for Tennessee. Like, they're riding high. They think they're – you know, everybody, like – Kentucky gets credit, but I think most people in the in the talking head world kind of think Tennessee is the second-best team in the East. Um, but they can't be that if Florida goes in there 
Um, it's a great spot, I think, for Florida um, because they're they're a big underdog, but no one really thinks they got much of a chance. But we don't really know much about this Tennessee defense other than what we saw at Pitt, and Pitt had some success running the ball against them. Um, and Florida has the best is the best offensive line they've seen yet. Um, and if Anthony Richardson is able to do some things to get some guys out of the box, I think Florida can have a lot of success running the ball. So I'm interested to see just what the game looks like. Because um, Florida, the, the worry in this game for Florida is they just don't have any depth, so they could just wear out in the fourth quarter. Um, but Tennessee's a little banged up at running back. Their offensive line, like, it's, I still don't think it's very great. So um, if Florida can get into, a, like, a ball control type situation and limit Tennessee explosives, which quietly, Nick, Tennessee's having some issues creating consistent explosive vertical plays like they did last year. So if they're able to do that, I could see this game get in the fourth quarter. And if it gets in the fourth quarter, Florida's going to have advantage because everybody in that stadium is going to be just waiting for something bad to happen. So I'm really fascinated to see uh, this game. It's a huge spot for Hypel, and it's also a pretty big spot for Napier because he can get a lot of brownie points here early in his tenure if he goes in and beats Tennessee as a big dog. Um, and big moment for Anthony Richardson. Like, he's played like crap two weeks in a row. Um, you know, if it becomes three weeks in a row, we, there's got a pretty big issue. Um, so fascinating game on all, all – all results. I think like Florida could have potentially have a slide if they lose this game. Um, so pretty big game in the SEC East for Kentucky. If Florida went in there and beat Tennessee, that's Kentucky. You're feeling pretty good about your spot in the East um, in just a month into the season. I just love the yo-yoing we're doing with Florida, right? Like the the story of Billy Napier's first season would be just pure comedy if it's. Utah win, best team in the world. Lose to Kentucky, you're the worst. Now USF, you struggle. You might be even worse than that. And then to go on the road and beat Tennessee, that would just be comedy. So I, I'm I'm here for it. Um, I'm very anti-Tennessee, and I think Florida, they're, they're definitely going to trip up at some other points throughout this season. So from a purely standings uh, perspective, I mean, you've got the tiebreaker over them, so Kentucky fans need to cheer uh, for Florida. So, And it's just is, like uh, we don't – we don't know anything about Tennessee because the way Hypo and them play, it's just they're going to crush um, some of these bad teams they play, and they, they're going to run up scores. So, like, you know, it's hard to judge them. You have to see them against real competition, and we're going to see them here. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's always a dynamic of it's hard if you want to push the gas all the time but then realize, oh, we need to, like, give our defense a break if Florida goes on a couple 12-play drives or – um, stuff like that. So then if you find yourself in that kind of area, it can be hard to like game manage if you're hypo. And I think that's why he's got his close game record isn't very good. If you kind of dig into it, it's a lot of, you know, you go full speed, you can blow out teams, but when you get in a close game, it's just, you got to play a little different and that's not maybe well, to your you can throw your way out of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I've watched Purdue and Jeff Brom throw his way out of games, you know, like it's, this is nothing, this is nothing new to me. Uh, but it, it's going to be fascinating. Um, like you said, there's going to be a lot of anxiety on Rocky Top. I had never seen, you know, I wasn't paying close attention to SEC football in the 90s because it wasn't exactly great for Kentucky's sake. I had never seen the play that they called a touchdown. Uh, Palmer from Florida throws it in the end zone and that they, they rule it six and the ball just drops to the turf like almost yeah. instantly. Yeah. What a terrible call. That's so bad. I mean, they're like, 
That, Florida has tormented that Tennessee fan base. Uh, like they are – how Tennessee <laughs> feels about the Kentucky game where they just think no matter what happens, they're going to – they feel the opposite when they play Florida. Like just what what goes wrong will go wrong. It's kind of their feeling. Uh, so this like it's an all – it's the best – it's the first real SEC 330 game of the year. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere there in – like I said, for both sides, it's a big – like, it's a huge moment for Nate. Like, if Florida goes in there and gets trucked, like, Napier is going to be feeling some heat early in his tenure. You lose to Tennessee and Kentucky early, um, and you lose both by double digits, people aren't going to be happy down there. Uh, so, it's just for both sides, I think it's fascinating. This is what makes mm-hmm. the sport fun is when you get stakes like this in these games. That's when this, when stuff gets good. I um, th- I don't want to talk about some of the other big games because I'm I've already got Ole Miss circled, and they're kind of similar to Tennessee. I haven't figured them out yet. Like Lane Kiffin's talking about not running up the score on Georgia Tech because he feels bad for Jeff Collins. Like I, it, it's a really really bizarre times at Ole Miss. Uh, what do you think we can learn from this game they've got? Coming up Saturday. We're going to learn more about their defense. Troy hasn't ran the ball at all all season. They've been pretty bad running the football. Um, Central Arkansas seemed like they had nothing to challenge Ole Miss with. And then we know how bad Georgia Tech is. But Tulsa's actually good on offense. Uh, Quarterback Davis Brin is is averaging like nearly 400 yards per game, I think. Um, over 10 yards per attempt. They're in the top 25 in passing success rate. Like, it's a really good passing offense. Ole Miss has been good on passing defense, but they just haven't been challenged at this point in the season. So we're going to learn what their what their pass defense really has. Like, these numbers are great for Ole Miss. Like, they're number five nationally in points allowed per drive, 0.37. Like, they've been, like, surprisingly really good on defense. But how much is it just competition? I think Tulsa has the offense to challenge them and put up some points. And if Bryn goes in there and throws the ball around the yard and has a good day, I think that's promising for Kentucky going into the next week. Uh, because, like, when you look at Ole Miss's offense, Kiffin's protecting his quarterback. He's not letting Dart really – he's letting him manage the game. Like, they're throwing a little bit, but it's not. They're riding their running game. They're riding their two good tailbacks and their good offensive line, and they're very, very run heavy. I think they're top ten nationally in run play percentage right now. They're very run heavy. Uh, and so – but Kentucky, I feel good about Kentucky going in there and stopping the run, potentially if they play Ole Miss. And so if they make Dart – if it turns into a game where both running games are limited and it comes down to the which quarterback can win it, um, and if Ole Miss shows some chinks in the – or so shows a little bit of weakness in the pass defense this week and Dart has to go against that Kentucky defense and make throws, I would like Kentucky's chances in that game. So really for me, I want to see – if how Davis Brim performs, um, if he has a good game, then I think from a Kentucky standpoint, I think they should feel pretty good about going in going into Oxford next week. It's uh, I know I know many people are upset. It's going to be an early kickoff, but mm-hmm. if Tulsa quarterback does make mincemeat of them, then it could be a fun fun day for Will Levis. I know a lot of fans in the Commonwealth have enjoyed watching the Louisville Cardinals play. 
this year. And when I mean a lot of Louisville fans, uh, I mean I mean the Kentucky fans in Louisville are enjoying watching Louisville suck. And man, USF might be a live dog. Might know, be a barking weird. dog. Well, I wouldn't touch that line with a Louisville's bad though. Foot They're pole. very. They're so bad. It's just I, I I just don't know what to make of this this Cardinal football team. How do you conceivably go to the window and say, "Yeah, give me Jeff four and twenty, Jeff Scott, and the USF Bulls in thirteen points"? Like I just don't know how you how you conceivably play them. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I expect Louisville to win this week, but you don't know what the psyche is over there. Um, and then you look at Louisville's schedule here. Like this was a scenario like they had to avoid the one and two start, the oh and three or the one and two start. Um, because now like they need to beat USF to get the two and two. They're better than both Boston yeah. College and Virginia, these next two games, but they're on the road. They're not that much better. So you have to think like most yeah. likely scenario is probably one and one in that two game stretch. That gets them to three and three by week. And then after the bye week, Nick, they have six games, five against currently ranked opponents, and the other one is James Madison, who's averaging 52.5 points per game through three games. So you look, you're looking at Louisville's schedule right now, and you're like, you, it's just like the bottom falling out. It won't be as bad as 2018 with Bobby Petrino, but that is on the table. Like it could totally fall apart here for them when you look at the back half of their schedule. And when Louisville, you the two things I like when I looked at Louisville and scouted them in the offseason, it was one, they need Cunningham has to be a star. They need him to be a star. He's taking a step back this year. I don't think so see how you can say he has it through three games. Number two is they need multiple transfer portals to hit additions to hit and be impact players. Now they've lost Jermaine Lowley and D. Wiggins, two guys who might have been two of their most two or three two of their most probably three or four important additions. No, nope. you need Wiggins to be like the deep field stretcher to take place to take Tyler Harrell's place. He's out for the year, and you need Lolay. That was the, finally they got a guy like a run stuffer inside, and he's out for the year. So they're they're like zero for two on the two most important things that they needed heading into the season, and now like it, it could just really uh, backslide on them, and like. It, it wouldn't be crazy if Kentucky's playing them again with an interim coach at the end of the season. To me, I think that's definitely on the table right now. And I necessarily didn't think that before the year, but the way it's trending right now, um, it's not going the right direction. Uh, it uh, it would be funny if they didn't go to a bowl game. I mean. I would laugh. I would giggle. But it's it's on the table. Um, and even in a, a bad ACC, things aren't looking good for the cards. We're going to enjoy it at their expense. Um, but I will say, look, if they do end up playing in the GMAC Bowl or the uh, quality car care bowl that's in that first week of bowl season, um, you know, we, uh, we, we could end up – like those games – they might not be where we currently see them now. Uh, conference commissioners are proposing a change to the bowl schedule, not just to the bowl schedule, but to the entire two bye weeks potentially in college football. And then it also starts bowl season a week sooner. 
making more room for college football playoff expansion. There's also some changes to the recruiting calendar. I think that's where a lot of the the, the juggling and the, the kind of scrutiny is coming from right now. Uh, but Ross Dellinger had this report. Like, what were your initial uh, thoughts and takeaways from it? They really wouldn't say if rivalry week is going to stay on the same weekend or not in that report. Like, is it going to stay on Thanksgiving weekend or is it going to go to the weekend before? Um, if you go back 15, 20 years ago, it used to be the weekend before Thanksgiving. So that's obviously – that's pretty interesting to me. Um, I would hate if they gave up that weekend. Like, that Black Friday, Thanksgiving, Saturday combo is usually right. pretty good. And then, like, the new tradition of Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night has just been awesome. Um, so that is – we'll see on that. I, I do like them leaning into week zero. Um, have – like essentially week zero would be the permanent start potentially that gives you two weeks without the NFL. Like you can own the football world there for two weeks. I think that'd be good for the sport, especially if you got some big games in both weeks, really you play some big games early. I think that would be good for the sport. And then the other one was they're moving signing day back five days. And it's going to be on a Monday. So they give them extra time. Uh, I wish we would just get rid of the December signing day, get it back to February but that's just my two cents on that. So I don't know how much of a difference that's going to make. Then number three, the potential of coaches being able to visit, or I guess host juniors on campus or go visit them. No, it's go visit them. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. They got enough wow. crap to do. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't like going. They host plenty. I don't know. Something about going to see juniors. Like I can be on the, I can be pro coaches. Like, Hey, you, you, do enough stuff. You can take a little bit of a break and not have to visit juniors on campus. Yeah, my only thought was they. I mean, they go to visit kids anyway. They could just see the juniors while they're at these schools too. That's eh, how I kind of yeah. read it. the 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 big sticking point I had was taking away Army Navy. That, that's the one that sticks in my crawl more than anything because it didn't it didn't say outright if they would keep rivalry weekend, but I'm under the impression. Yeah, that's why that, I. I yeah, I, I I just don't know what they're going to do with that. That would that would change my opinion on it a lot. I just have to see how all that would shake out. That would be my question. Because I I like Army and Navy standing alone. Um, I think it's a good idea too to add some buffering to that recruiting period. Because right now it's the season's over with, and you've got ten days to sign a class. Like it's, it's how a would crazy you, turnaround. How would you feel if? They just – I'm trying to think when the first playoff games would be because they would be pretty soon after the season. It'd be the so week after look, Army-Navy, I believe. Well, just how about just play Army-Navy as like the noon game leading into those? I, I, I'd i be up for that. Yeah. Right. You know, I don't know how the yeah. window would work there. But, yeah, how, how about just like we start that game – I mean, you could even start at maybe 1130 or whatever and you can lead into – to those games. I just don't know like TV, how that will work. So they're wanting, they're, they're going to want all of those games in their own window. Can um, I, I would, I would think. Can I just say too, that I hate whenever it's mentioned in this, the Dellinger brings up the NFL Saturday games late in the season. NFL, you've got your own day. Stick, stick to Sundays. I mean, they've already taken Monday. over Thursday. College Thursday. football created, college football created Thursday night football. Yeah. I um, mean that, when we were growing up in high school, Nick, that was a huge thing. Every Thursday night, there was always a good game on Thursday night, it seemed like. Yeah. And now that's it's gone. Horrible West Virginia now, Blackout. NFL took that it was over. Thursday right. night. Big East was a lot of that. I mean, they kind of owned that night. And then ACC yeah. dabbled. Um, Big 12, I think, dabbled a little bit. Pac-12 
also dabbled. But Do we yeah, even I mean, get I, college football back for this Thursday? Yeah, we got West Virginia at Virginia Tech, which is a fun little rivalry game. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Shout out to West Virginia for playing those regional rivals too. Um, shout out to them. That's awesome. Glad they're eleven Power that. Five games uh, for the Mountaineers this year. Even though it is, yeah, uh, almost suicidal. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, I, I, I don't mind a lot of the scheduling changes, but there's just going to be a new normal. Really like having making week zero more of a thing to give yourself another bye week to start earlier because we're already hungry for it. And I'm sure week zero would still be mostly like, – I think Labor Day weekend would still be huge for college football from like a big TV aspect, whereas like week zero just kind of dips your toe in. Uh, and it gives you two weeks uh, before the – Yeah, NFL. there's uh... – they just need some more games on weeks. You need a, f- a fuller slate so you can have football on from noon to midnight and a couple games in each window so you mm-hmm. have options. Like That's really kind of the perfect week zero um, because usually, every year it's pretty exciting, but like you get the one big game and that's pretty much it early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But now if you could get three or four you know, kind of big games, and that would be fun. And I think there's advantages to playing that if they keep the double bye. I don't know if they would keep the double bye if they would just get rid of Thanksgiving weekend. But- I think they give, I think they give everybody a double bye. See, I like that too. Play. Yo, yeah. Why not? Yeah. It, it's player safety. That's the right. best. <laughs> the it best it just gets the season here and it starts. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the week zero. I think it's been a nice little revelation. And shockingly, people have realized, oh, people like to watch football. Uh, why don't we put more games on TV? Like Nebraska Northwestern had like five people, five million people watching it. Um, yeah, people like football, so put it on the tube. We really like football here on 11 Personnel. We appreciate you joining us. Sorry for a few technical delays. Um, it's it's not President's pre- Hold on right here, Nick. I just want to let the people – President's picks are coming, okay? President's Cup's picks are coming. Oh, quit trying to shove that down our throats. We, uh, nobody it'll be cares on, about – It'll be on pick three this week, so make sure you're checking out pick three, and we'll, we'll have some locks there uh, for the, the President's pre- Cup. Just stop trying to make the President's Cup a thing, NBC. It's during football season. The U.S. wins by a million, like, every single time. I, I just don't – I maybe you like it. You can give me a care by sharing picks. But it's the most lopsided event in the history of sports. There's – there's. I will eat uh, – I'll do the Mark Ennis. I'll eat a live animal if the U.S. doesn't <laughs> win the President's Cup. Like, it's, it's, it's not even a contest, okay? So, please stop trying to make it a thing, NBC. And uh, now we have a rooting interest here, <laughs> fans. Team, uh, international team. Let's get let's get hot, Adam Scott. Um, I believe U.S. is like minus seven hundred, minus eight hundred to win. So <laughs> I mean, you're not that's crazy. You're not too crazy off there. Well, yeah. Apologies for some technical difficulties. It's uh, our last. I think our last ninety degree day of the year, and my sunroom and my computer and all of the equipment we've got hooked up just can't handle it at once. So. Um, a little start and go here and there, but appreciate you sticking with us at 11 personnel and right here on the Kentucky sports radio YouTube page. Make sure you're subscribed for so much content. It's only getting better with our guest, Stephen peak working behind the scenes to make it happen. Really appreciate his work uh, for Adam. Luckett, I'm Nick Roush. Go cats and go Kroger. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. 
Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York. 